there's a whole lot of room for imagination. I listen to see what I can hear when This is Immerse, the podcast in Paul. We are delighted to have you join us. Immerse is produced by Charlie Morrow, Sean McCann, and Bart Plantinga for Morrow Sound, Vermont, and Helsinki, and Recital Edition, Los Angeles. Immerse. 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 Stephen Vitiello, a New York native, is an internationally recognized sound artist and mainstay of the New York scene since his early days as a punk guitarist. He has been influenced by Nam June Pike, has collaborated with Scanner, Pauline Oliveros, and Francis Marie Uti, amongst others. He's also an electronic musician and visual artist. In 1999, he needed a residency at the World Trade Center managing to capture the towers swaying in the wind and recorded the creaking and cracking of the building's skeleton. He has produced countless recordings on various labels such as Sub Rosa and has had many solo exhibitions that combine sound, installations, photos and drawings at museums and galleries and has been part of many group shows including Soundings Contemporary Score at MoMA, the Whitney and the Sydney Biennale. Fittiello serves as a professor at Virginia Commonwealth University in the Kinetic Imaging Department. I met Stephen in the 1980s. We worked together on Namjoon Pike's Zapping for Swatch Watch, then on some of Pike's soundtracks, including Did George Sand Kill Chopin? Stephen curated the show New Sounds New York for the kitchen. It included the New York unveiling of my patented 3D sound cube with series of commissioned works, including his most evocative cinematic with Crashing Roof, one of 12 designed for the cube by an array of artists. Stephen, I'm pleased to welcome you to Immerse. working for you? Yes, perfectly. The reason that I've invited you to Immerse is that I'm creating both a book and a podcast and an educational resource uh, on immersive media. And I wanted to ask you two questions. One is you about your own feeling for an understanding of and work in, you know, immersive 
creation and uh, how how did you get to that either starting from when you first got interested in sound and got to this point or from this point back however you like roundabout so the first okay. important question is immersivity in your practice and uh, awareness you know and I, mean, I think there's like an almost stereotypical image that first comes up which is just being surrounded by media and so you know again in my in my head and the way i think of it the first thing that comes to mind is just whether it's sound and speakers all around or, or monitors and images all around whether that be you know i guess i first think about it in terms of art but it also could be standing in the middle of times square or could be standing in the middle of grand central station with you know, beautiful acoustics and a murmur of voices but i think the reason I realized a couple a couple years ago, a colleague of mine from school named Steve Ashby sent out some questionnaires for his, his blog to a group of electronic musicians slash sound artists, and he you know, asked, what do you do and kind of why do you do it? And I, I started talking about my own installations and wanting to create a special space for listening without distraction. And what it led me to remember that I'd never made this connection before, but was Growing up, the greatest joy was to get my allowance, save up money, and go to the record store and get a record. And whether it was that I knew there was a new album by The Clash or television, or there was some you know, cover that just like made me really excited. I was like, wow, what is that? And then I'd go home, and I'd sit down, and I'd put the record on the record player, and I'd listen for the full 46 minutes. And I'd get mad at anybody in the house who would interrupt me. And I would just sit there wrapped, and you know, that was just on a crappy stereo system and a little record player, but in that moment that was immersive to me. I was immersed in listening, I was giving it all of my attention. And so when I started to create installations, I think part of what I wanted to do was give people the best possible environment they could have in my mind to listen to whatever I wanted to put forward, or you know, equally to when I went to hear works by my friends or colleagues or people I, I was interested in. But to have that fully dedicated immersion, which is more internal than, I think, external. Like, I, I guess I, that's why I started with the clean, you know, almost stereotype of lots of seekers were sitting in the middle, it's all around us. And that could be the case. But the reason that I like it is because it gets us to this internal state of listening, hopefully enjoying, hopefully appreciating, and hopefully without distraction because I think distraction you know such a big part of our modern age and, and and that does kill the potential for immersion so whatever we can do to bathe a person in sound or bathe per person in a wonderful experience is the thing that I'm most interested in and, and aiming for when you know when all the stars align beautifully said and I, I, it's exactly the kind of things that, that I'm interested in you saying this is a the whole the whole project is about personal personal view it's not an academic mm-hmm. lecture it's quite it's very personal sure. so I appreciate very much what you're saying and um, I think uh, I would ask you a question only because um, I, I'm very touched by your sense of of location it seems to me that you have an absolute Geiger counter for places uh, it shows mm, in the sounds you collect and it shows mm. in, in your work so I wonder if you could talk a little bit a, about how it is that you you know, sense immersion in a place and the sense of place. Sure. I mean, every, I guess I enter every experience ideally fresh and, you know, and, and ready 
to be as open and kind of naive as possible. One of the most, there's lots of these moments in which I feel like I've grown and I've learned. And one extreme one was in early 2003, I was sent to the Amazon by the Cartier Foundation in Paris. And I'd never done a lot of field recording. I'd done the recordings in the World Trade Center with contact mics and, you know, arguably that's a kind of a field recording. But I had never gone out, rarely out into the fields and just started you know, listening with my ears and listening to technology. But that was one of those life-changing experiences. And I tried to do all I could to learn about practice as well as what equipment to bring. And I brought some equipment that was right and by some people's standards, some equipment that was totally wrong. Like I brought a stereo ribbon mic. and. You know, it worked out, but it's not what you're really supposed to bring out into a, um, a windy, a windy, wet field. But the thing that happened with that was at first I said, you know, you shouldn't send me, you should send people who know this better, you should send Chris Watson or you should send David Tooth for people who either know more about field recording or more about the Yanomami. But once I knew I was going, I thought, well, I can't go as an expert. All I can go is, is as me. And I'm going to go there and just try to soak it up and soak it in and hear what I hear and, and determine if I can make something out of that. And in many ways, that, that set a standard for me of, of every project I do where there's a you know, momentary preoccupation that someone will know something better. But the best thing that I can do is go and have my own experience and to have an experience be as open as possible and listen carefully and listen with patience listen with time. I might, you know, in that case, with the jump out of the Cessna plane and there's all the sound in front of me, but more likely day after day, I'm going to have to go maybe even to the same place and hear it better, see if I learn something, see if by chance five different sounds interact in a way that's exciting or that I really learn that 6.30 a.m. is prime time and 10.30 p.m is prime time and everything in between maybe is useless. So, you know, part of it is learning a climate, part of it is being lucky, part of it is being patient. And kind of like a photographer with the microphone figuring out, do I turn a little left? Do I turn a little right? Do I pull out omnis today? But whatever it is to listen with every part of my attention, and that certainly comes back to immersion so that I have to be immersed in the moment. And I have done a lot of field recordings since then. Sometimes field recordings are a primary part of the project. Sometimes it's just a kind of way of locating. It's always it's something I love to do. I learn through it. Sometimes I make something that doesn't have the field recordings, but the field recordings inspire the rhythms. So it might be some you know, ways that the, these clicking frogs and these bullfrogs we're, we're setting two kinds of frequency and two kinds of rhythm, and that gives me idea for what to do with electronics. And I don't even use the frog recordings, but I just I learn about the environment through that experience. Thank you. That was lovely. Oh, good. Uh, you told us uh, about buying records uh, and enjoying that, but maybe you could. Um, when did it all start for you in terms of um, your attraction to to sound and and how did it grow to where it is now or going from where it is now so to go back to where it all started. Uh, timelines are important to the way I'm working. Of course. Yeah, I mean, my own timeline 
as a you know as a kid I loved records and my mother took me to see the Rolling Stones when I was 11 and that was certainly an immersion um, when I discovered punk rock music and post-punk music service and always listening from the point of view of texture and sequence I wasn't some of my friends listened to lyrics some people you know wanted to, to dissect the notes of the guitar solo for me it was almost more like a sonic impact I remember going to see the clash when i was probably 15 or 16. Um, there was a band i knew called the simulators who taught me to play guitar and they lived with allen ginsburg in that that um, kind of famous tenement building in the, in the lower east side with i think richard hell and television and at one point, Arthur Russell were on that building. And then when I was in college, I started, I played in bands, but I started to get exposed to other kinds of media, um, experimental film, experimental video. After college, I got a job first at the American Federation of Arts, where I was inspecting avant-garde film prints. And one of the things that got me really excited were the soundtracks. Soundtracks, for example, to Maya Darren's films and Stan Brack, uh, or not Brackage, but um, Kenneth Anger's films. And that started to turn my head a little bit because I was not a good guitar player. I, I loved music. I loved, as he said, like the sonic impact of things. But I hadn't found a way with much skill to to craft anything that was all that good. And, and But soundtrack seemed exciting to me. And so when I started working at the First American Federation of Arts and then later Electronic Arts Intermix, got exposed more and more to different kinds of experimental media. I had a kind of fantasy of what if I could do soundtracks. And as soon as I imagined it, um, Tony Alfler invited me to do a soundtrack for a, an installation, and Peter Callis from Australia invited me to do soundtrack for a, a single-channel piece. And around that time, I think it was around that time, a friend of mine brought me to Lamont Young's Dream House, and that at first freaked me out and just <laughs> scared me. I didn't know what it was. And then the more that I relaxed and sort of breathed into the experience, the more that I could hear the space. But also going back to soundtracks, I started to just study how other artists were working, how they were approaching editing, how they were approaching color, how they were approaching a kind of tuning of sorts and finding ways to adapt and learn from that into how I was approaching sound. And it's not that I was creating a new canon if I had studied music concrete or if I had studied Cage. Those would have been the things I was exposed to, but I was just, I was finding my way to some of that kind of manipulation or some of the even um, conceptual thinking through the exposure to these, these visual artists. And a couple of things happened in the late 90s, three, maybe three things. One was the curators at the Museum of Contemporary Art in Lyon told me that they were going to do, they had a biennial called Musique en Seine, and they were considering doing a retrospective of my soundtracks for video, and I said, that's great. And they said, unless you do installations. And I said, oh yes, I do installations, but I actually hadn't. I mean, I had done sound for other people. And I made a sketch for a space, and they built that space. And it was this sort of off-center box, which I unintentionally had made off-center. And created an installation, Paulina Oliveros was on it, Bulger was was on it, and myself, and maybe Hanro. But it was, it was a sound piece I made for the space, and uh, the constant sense of sounds in rotation, kind of con everything in Doppler effect. That 
shock me by the excitement of going into a space that I had defined. Soon after, I was invited to Cologne to Germany to be in a, a small festival with Pauline um, Scanner and Francis Maria Wiki, and each concert was in a church with a 64-channel sound system to, uh, set up by Andres Bosarts with sound artists. And playing spatially, especially hearing Pauline play spatially, opened up my brain. And then soon after that, I was invited to do a residency in the World Trade Center. And the more that I listened through that experience, I had contact mics on the window. The more that I, I sat and listened to what the sound was doing to me, the more that I realized that that was the most exciting thing about what I wanted my work to be, rather than my, in that case, actively changing something or actively adding to these field recordings, that the field recordings, at least in that instance, were changing everything about my perception of space, as well as for the visitors who were coming in who were sort of attentive to what was going on. People would come in who weren't afraid of heights and then hear the sound and realize that from the 91st floor, holy crap, we're, we're moving and the building is creaking and cracking. Wow. better than anything I could do with a guitar or with a synthesizer, just speaking for myself. So that's, I mean, I feel like it's been like a rushing through things, but each one of those things taught me something. Each one of those things broadened my sense of how sound impacted me, how the sound that I brought or found could impact one's experience of space. And I've continued to make mostly site-specific artworks, um, sometimes in museums, sometimes in galleries, more and more in public spaces and to explore how sound can, um, and, and an immersion in sound can affect one's psychological state and, and you know, ideally towards something, some kind of happiness, some kind of pleasure, but, you know, and some kind of discovery. Well, thank you very much. That was a wonderful tour through, <laughs> through the years and through your own evolution. And, uh, I appreciate your being in this project and, and thank you for your time today. Um, oh, it's an honor. Thank you. So we'll talk again soon, and be well. Okay, you too, Charlie. Thanks so much. Thanks. Bye-bye. People have always said that there's voices in the water. People have always said that there's voices in the water. 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 Voices in the water.
people have always said that there's voices in the water. People have always said that there's voices in the water. Voices in the water. Voices in the water. Thank you. This is Immerse, the podcast and book. We are delighted to have you join us. Immerse is produced by Charlie Morrow, Sean McCann, and Bart Plantenga for Morrow Sound, Vermont and Helsinki, and Recital Edition, Los Angeles. Immerse. Immerse. An empty shell fall back into the sea. Stand clear of the closing doors, please.